This is Coffee Number Five. I'm your host, Lara Schmoisman. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee Number Five. Today, I am actually sipping tea because my throat weren't so good this morning. So, you guys know me already. You know I'm Latina. I'm Jewish. I came back from Argentina uh, when I was 24 and I came to this country and I did every job on, that I could get at that point. I was trying to break it through in the entertainment industry, which is a tough industry, but I was working as a waitress, P assistant. I was working also as um, an interpreter at some point. I, I did everything I had to do to pay the bills. Um, somehow I made it I work. I got to pay the bills working in the entertainment industry, which I loved for many, many years, but life changed. And like I always say, you have to recycle yourself and you need to be working in uh, what you can or what life takes you. And at some point, my life took me to a place that I needed a job. And I had to put a resume together, which I never had to do before. And I met with a recruiter, which she was willing to uh, meet me. And she handed the resume back to me and she said, you know what, you better stay at home and stay with your kids because nobody's going to pay you even what you pay the, the babysitter. I felt terrible. I came back crying that day. I telling my husband 20 years of experience and I'm nothing. I'm not worth anything. Uh, it, it was such an internal fight because I knew what I knew. There was no way to all this experience that I got over the years, not even stop working for a day. Uh, I even had babies and next day I was working. And I, and all that, all that sacrifice for nothing. So when I was able to have my agency for being, for me was really, really important as a core value to have diversity and inclusion. Uh, you guys know that my team is all over the world, but this is something uh, that recently we were nominated also as Diversity and Inclusion Agency by the LA Times, which is a big honor for me. And it really, really touched my heart because it means that we are we're doing what we were set to, to do. But today I want to go a step further. So I invited Arthur Woods. Welcome to Coffee Number Five. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and and and, I, and what an inspiring story, seriously. And no, I mean, I think you're going to have to tell us a lot, a lot more about your story because you created. You're not only working in recruiting, helping the recruiting world to work in making this uh, their teams more diverse, more inclusive, which for me is so important because it gives you different points of view. We all come with our stories, not only our stories, what we bring from our families, whatever religion you are, whatever culture you are, you come with a different point of view because of it. And you're part of the target audience as well, because you're in the market. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I think, it, you know, the great thing is we've all sort of realized this, this extraordinary case for diversity. It's not only good for society, you know, great for our teams and our cultures, but it's, it's how we innovate. It's how amazing companies like yours have come to life and done, you know, made such a great impact. And so we're at this moment now where just diversity makes sense, you know, for a leader who's sensible, who's thinking about kind of the future of their organization, the future of the world, it just makes complete sense that we have um, rich diversity. Uh, when we look around the room, we look around the table that we're sitting at. Yeah. Well, I love that you use the word leader because I, 
I don't like the word, the word boss. I hate it. I, I will never be a boss woman, a boss girl. I'm just a person who has a position of leadership. And being a leader also is a responsibility. And it is. It, it really is. I mean, I, I, I love your point about, you know, abandoning the kind of the, the term boss or manager. I just feel like it, you know, it, it establishes, establishes this kind of hierarchy that, you know, a, a great leader, as we know, kind of empowers their, their team. And I love this idea of the inverse pyramid, right? The leader sort of that is there to support their team and, and help their team grow. Exactly. I mean, as a leader, as a owner of a company, I can only grow if I am able to mentor my team to grow with me. And I think also that has a lot to do with the um, retention of having your team. I mean, we're talking right now, there is a crisis of employment. And I think that there is a lack of, I, I saw a post of someone saying that there is no lack of talent. And right. I, absolutely, I believe that there are a lot of people that they are very talented, but yeah. there is a lack right now of work ethics. Yes. I, I think we have an issue where there is a, there is, um, you know, we have a record number of people changing jobs. We have a record number of open positions. We also have um, a, a real misunderstanding of talent, you know, and I think um, as, as I'm sure you've seen many times over, you know, uh, many leaders who walk into the room to hire and they, uh, they, they think of kind of one profile, one, one talent profile, one job seeker profile as the only thing that they can hire. So they don't look at someone through the lens of, you know, this person has uh, an unconventional background because they, they didn't, they weren't groomed the same way. They, they weren't afforded all the same opportunities. Um, and if we, if we continue to have this narrow view of what good talent looks like, we continue to cast a much more narrow net. I was That's reading it. Yeah. yeah, I was reading an article that said that uh, employees are trying not, they don't want to have bosses. And I think that it's somehow right and being a boss is not the right thing to do, to say, right. you do this, you do that. You need to have that input from your team. But at the yeah. same time, I believe that it's a uh, two-side street that the employee also needs to learn that for, for a reason you're a leader. Yes, I'm, there are many cases that people just, they're leaders because they inherited the company or they have enough money to have a company. But it, there are many other cases that they need to give an opportunity to the leader to be mentored and to learn. Yeah, they do, they do. And, and look, I, I understand this, this idea that, uh, you know, a team member doesn't want to have a boss. I think a team member doesn't want to step into an organization where they feel like they're a cog in a wheel where they feel like they're going to be micromanaged and they're just sort of, uh, you know, a passenger in their own life, right? A, a, a really good leader um, and, and, and a future leader in an organization, which is what a lot of, you know, of course, individuals see themselves as, walk in and, and, and really believe that um, they, they, they want a place where they make an impact, where they're empowered, where they're going to grow, where they're going to feel, feel a strong sense of community. And I think that all sort of speaks to this idea that we have to find ways that we empower people. We give them some sense of autonomy. Um, we, we help them see that there's a pathway um, to uh, there's a pathway to growth. And um, and and honestly, uh, there's there's a huge opportunity where we basically say, look, um, we're going to let people come into our organizations. We're going to give them a lot of support, but we're also going to give them a sense of agency. So no one, and you know, this makes sense, right? As human beings, no one wants to feel like a passenger in their own career, right? No one wants to feel like they're, they're, they're giving up their livelihood or their sense of purpose to go to work. 
we're at a moment now where we hold our jobs to the highest level of expectation we've ever seen before. I think, by the way, that's a beautiful thing. And your story is is evident of this, right? Going off, um, you know, uh, you know, becoming a mom, you know, facing such adversity, and then going and saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna start my own company, right? Because I'm gonna make an impact. I'm, I'm, I'm setting my own. I'm, I'm writing my own playbook." I think entrepreneurs follow that story. Uh, and I think uh, that's why we see a record number of people changing their jobs right now, right? Well, I think, see it, but also I see it, people coming and going and trying to make an impact like this without learning who, uh, there is such a rush. Oh, and if it doesn't work and I don't get my way, I change again. It's like, come on, it's, I know life is one, just once and you need to enjoy life, but also enjoying life is giving you the time to learn. First, you need yep. to learn who your clients are, how the company operates. I always say you cannot change the rules without understanding the rules. That's exactly right. And I think, I think this is a really good point that, you know, we have, you know, I, a lot of team members early in their careers do have misconceptions about how will I grow and how will I experience impact? And this is uh-huh. something I, I try to coach leaders on all the time. One is that we shouldn't, you know, teach people or we shouldn't like let lead people down the path of thinking the only way to make an impact is to do philanthropy. I think like, as, as you said earlier, Hi. people can make an impact by, by, you know, by serving their colleagues. They can make an impact by, 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 by you know, finding new ways to, to, to deliver a project. You know, it could be client facing, it could be commercial. Um, growing doesn't just equal a promotion. I think so many people think I have a better job title, therefore I'm, I'm growing in my career. Oh, oh my God. You know and, I mean? the, and the people who try, they believe that being a manager is growing in their career. And that's yes. completely wrong. I mean, right. why you don't, if you're an artist, why you want to be a manager? Be, grow as an artist. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the growth, the growth is a mindset. It's not a, it's not a job title, you know? It does not equal more pay. You know, you can grow, you can get out of your comfort zone, you can learn new things, you can gain expertise. Um, and so I think we have a, an opportunity for, for folks early in their careers to help them reframe a little bit because and without that, that context, without that framing, folks tell their own stories. And sometimes the stories are not productive, right? Yeah, but also I, I, think, I feel like there is this mindset in the companies, but also in people that if they don't have managerial or people under them they cannot grow in their career mm. it's a tough one yeah right and it's it's so, so the idea of being an individual contributor like being able to influence a project team it's like we have to yeah it's managing people as FTEs does not necessarily mean that you're not growing right um I know you and I have both met um so many amazing leaders who are so talented and they're not fit to be great managers doesn't mean they can't make a huge impact you know they can Absolutely. influence a lot of other things. Yeah. yeah. And also, I mean, I think that there is room. And here's what I want to bring the part about uh, embracing your cultural background. And it's something that for me was a challenge as a company. And I would love your input in this because if I can do better, I would love. And also, I know that our audience will love this. I, I love to embrace each one of my team for their beliefs, their cultural beliefs. Like once in a, once a year, I do a Shabbat dinner and I, and I want them to be part of it. Or I, I want everyone to, uh, to share their holidays. I want to learn from them. And I feel like as a culture, as a culture, we're not doing a good job with that. We just, as a company, we yeah. celebrate St. Patrick's Day only because people go drink or, or pink or, <laughs> yeah, or, or we drink or Thanksgiving because people eat, but they're not the real values behind it. 
Oh, goodness. Well, I, I, I think that it's such a powerful note right now that we're at this moment where you're right, like we, we have these sort of landmark holidays that have largely been westernized. And, um, you know, we we're at this point where, uh, you know, we're, we're really, you know, uh, sort of putting those holidays on a pedestal. We're not recognizing that there's rich cultural diversity across our teams. And, um, and, and basically, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're needing to, to help have everyone kind of tell their stories, bring their rich cultural heritage to, to our organizations, even if, again, these aren't sort of like what, what everyone has recognized and on paper are, are kind of, you know, are indeed the sort of culturally recognized holidays in, in the United States. Um, it's and I, 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 it's yeah. not only about the holidays. It's like, for example, I don't know about you, but I remember so many times things that my grandmother would say or or things that she would do that came from her tradition in Russia. And I feel like those are part of who I am and who I'm culturally beyond who I am. And it's okay to share that. But I feel like we live in a culture right now that is so PC and oppressed that everyone is afraid to share. It's so true. It's so true. I, you know, it, it, we're at this point right now where um, it's, this all comes down to psychological safety, you know? As a team member, you know, we did a study and found that um, the vast majority of job seekers, 76% of job seekers from underrepresented communities, see it as a disadvantage in their own hiring process to be diverse. And if we think about the implications of that, it means that the vast majority of people don't experience psychological safety when they're applying to a job or even when they're walking into it, the common team. So representing your rich cultural heritage um, in an environment where you feel like you had to conform to fit in um, doesn't happen, you know. And this, for many people, starts in their their school, right? In their elementary school and their in their you know secondary school, and then it continues on as they enter the workforce. And I think um, that's why you know hearing about your company is so cool because the the rich cultures, it's it's sort of like the United. That's Fathers that's my you know? proud. That's my proud I moment. That. I my, love that. You know, my, you my look team, around, it feels like the UN. You know, <laughs> my my team is my proud moment. I honestly have the best team in the world. I will be nothing without them. Each one of them is really important part of the team. But also, I'm a mother of teenagers. Actually, yeah, you get it. You get I, it. But I have to tell you, my son is as white as I am. And at school, he was called a white kid. Oh, my gosh. And I live in oh LA. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. It's like we, we have a long way to go. And even in a rich, you know, even in a, you know, a very diverse place like LA, um, you know, it, you know, there's still... Uh, there still is a sense of, uh, but, you know, xenophobia or, you know, but this is, you know, this is even reverse discrimination. Mm. Oh my gosh. I see. It's yeah. I see what you mean. It, it's, 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 and it's, you know, not recognizing someone's cultural, you know, your, your son's but, cultural background. And but my son is white and, but also he's half Latino, half Middle Eastern. Yeah. So yeah. We are still labeling people. As much yeah, as we, we teach them not to bully, not to uh, to be PC, we are allowing people to be labeled into boxes, even of what they are not. They are yeah. not We are in a culture that we are not recognizing who we are for. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. So, what advice do you end up giving your son? Well, I don't want to hear what 
I did. I was very upset with the school. I actually, yeah. because they called me from the dean office because my son called someone Latino. And I was like, what are you talking about? If he's a person, is Latino. What do you want to call it? Yeah. He has a Latino background. I'm Latina and I'm pro-Latina. That's right. That's right. And, and, um, and to recognize, and this is something we say is like, we, we need to stop putting people in boxes. You know, diversity is intersectional. There are so many aspects of diversity that are invisible. And if we continue to judge a book by its cover and, and, you know, put someone in a singular identity based on what we believe we can see, we're completely missing the point, you know? Well, and so that's, I think, this opportunity to get everyone to tell their story, right? Yeah, it's, for example, I have this weird accent because I pick it up. I never learned formally English. I'm self-taught and I pick it up from people. So I have this weird accent that is not Latino. So people, they don't know that I speak Spanish many times. And it's the same that assuming that I don't speak Spanish. And it happened many times. It, you know, it's just, it's just one of these, again, like we make all these assumptions. And I think, you know, one of the things we talk about is the fact that um, unconscious bias comes up, um, you know, unconscious bias comes up because um, we try to make snap decisions in, in single seconds because our brain uses all these mental shortcuts. And honestly, diversity is one of those areas where we just make assumptions. Our brain already starts making assumptions about people. And then we let those translate into actions. And I think that's that's probably indicative in what your son has experienced, you know, um, with people just acting, you know, out of, out of, you know, without thinking, you know. Well, I think what I learned from this, and if we can transmit it to the audience today, is that you guys, uh, there's a story behind each person. This country yeah. is made of immigrants. So everyone has a story behind it so let's take that right. time to get to know the people for who they are instead that's exactly of right saying. we have and, and i think and that's why it's so powerful what you all do as a function right what you do as an industry because you are you are um you know experts in storytelling you know and i think what a, what a beautiful thing that the storytelling that the engine you've created as your company starts with everyone being empowered to tell their own stories and I think that that's why a lot of these new breeds of companies are, are exciting me because they're starting from this internal governance of authenticity of the nature of the work that's being done because of the identity with which we're doing it. And, 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 and that's really why I believe that, you know, in this next 10 years, we're going to see this whole new group of companies that start that are just so centered around these values and around these, this ethos that um, they're going to go make a huge impact. They're going to become large organizations and they're going to influence the next group of organizations that are built, right? The only thing I can say is amen to that. <laughs> and, and before we go, I just want to talk two seconds about, or two minutes about your yes. book. Yes. Tell book. me about your so, book. Hiring for Diversity. So we wrote this book uh, because... We have our company, Matheson, um, is a diversity recruiting software that helps organizations um, expand their, their hiring, reduce bias in their hiring process. And we, uh, we wrote this book after we studied the practices of hundreds of employers, determined the patterns of gaps and needs that they were facing, and, um, and, and wrote this to be the playbook for the, the growing organization that really wants to intentionally embed diversity from the beginning. And it has been such a cool process. So people can learn about it at hiringfordiversity.com. Um, uh, we'll, put, we'll put everything in the chapter notes. But people, if you're thinking, like many of you, I know that you're starting the first steps of opening your company or thinking about opening your company, please think about 
diversity. It's so yep. important. And I, I can promise you it pays back. I completely agree. I completely agree. And your organization is a testament to that. You know, I'm so excited about your story too. And just, I, you know, it's, I, I, I'm leaving this call feeling very inspired. Oh, thank you. I feel very inspired that there are people like you behind uh, in this world and they are pushing for more diversity because yeah. our target audience now, we live in a global world and we are all diverse. We are we moving so around that we cannot think anymore just uh, you are Chinese or you're Latino or you're American because it doesn't exist anymore and because we all get the influence from other countries. It is so true, and and as as it should stay, and it ha- as has been the history of this this country, but one that we need to shift in a, in a meaningful way as, as we start to think intentionally about what's ahead. Okay, thank you so much. Arthur. Oh my it gosh, was such so a amazing seeing you! I love this conversation. Me too. I really really enjoy it. And thank you, you every one of you, to be there on the other side, having coffee or in your car or wherever you are. But I see you next time for more coffee number five. It was so good to have you here today. See you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Ciao, ciao.